Hi, everybody. Welcome to my podcast, Tell Me Everything with Susan DeMonte. Having overcome 18 years of almost dying five times from internal bleeding due to Crohn's disease, violent crime, family alcoholism, drug addiction, eating disorders, and tragic death, people are often inspired by my personal story of resilience and overcoming adversity. This podcast is a way to share my stories of winning over myself and encouraging others to do the same. Welcome, I hope you get encouraged and tell me everything. Okay, we are recording. Yay. Hi, hi everybody. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is Tell Me Everything with Susan DeMonte. Um, stories of people overcoming adversity. This is my second episode. I'm so thrilled to have two of my besties. We're here in Las Vegas at the MegaFest Film Festival. Mm -hmm. My uh, short film, Repercussions, is screening here. And um, we met some amazing people, saw some ma amazing movies. And now we're doing episode two. So I want Emily and I want uh, Akemi to introduce themselves so I don't screw it up. Should we go alphabetically or me first? Because I'm the loudest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, the loudest always wins. Hello. I'm looking at you, but I'm also looking at our camera because we it's do okay. have a video recording for yes, you. Yes, yes. Um, my name is Emily Beth Lang. I am the co-host and co-creator of Wines and Dolls podcast and an actor in Houston, Texas. And Susan and I met via a film reading for one of our friends. So just kind of a, uh, what's the word, serendipitous? Totally, right serendipitous. I Am think I there to happenstance? Or we say, as we say in Buddhism, that is myoho, which means mystic. Mm -hmm. So so that's how we that's, met. That's how it is. Yeah. And learned all so much from this woman since I met her. <laughs> She's really been instrumental in, in actually what's happening right now. And this, this, this podcast, the podcast the she was the third person to say to me, have you thought of doing a podcast? I said, you're the third person who said that to me. So better look into that. Pretty immediate too. Yes. When I met you, I'm like, that woman needs a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and Akemi Ito. Yeah. Hi, my name is Akemi Ito. I'm from Japan. And I'm based in Japan working as a travel coordinator, like uh, helping people who travel to Japan. And uh, I met her, I met Susan at Airbnb. And uh, I was a guest and she's a host. And uh, yeah, and uh, what is yeah, we met each other. And we both uh, practice the same Buddhism, uh, SGI, Sokogakai Nichiren Buddhism. And that was something we didn't find out about until yeah. we actually met. Uh, we, uh, I, um, when I have a roommate, this Airbnb, I let people know that I chant Nam Yoho Renge Kyo every day and to get people's permission that I can do that. It's not loud. Is it okay with you? And she was like, it's perfectly okay because I'm an SGI Buddhist. Yeah. So we've been enjoying, you know, sharing our faith together. And she said, when I was coming to Las Vegas, can I go? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> so she came and we've been having a ball 
together. Yeah, because Akemi is the coolest. <laughs> yeah. Stop it. <laughs> but both of these women have overcome amazing, amazing adversity. And so that's why I wanted to have them on this second episode to hear their stories of what they went through. And, you know, um, as I said in my first episode, you know, it's an ongoing, it's a marathon to continue to live a beautiful life and continue to face the mountains you have to face and overcome them and continue and go into a valley and come back out and climb the next mountain. So um, I'm, I'm doing this so that I hope you're out there listening and that you feel hope and that also that you contact me if you have a story to tell and we can, um, we don't have to be together. We can do this remotely as well. So who wants to start with their story? <laughs> what? Uh, do you want me to start? Sure. Oh, ask me the question. <laughs> so tell me everything. I would be happy to. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm actually trying to figure out where to begin. Um, my primary struggle that has been throughout my life is, um, I moved a lot as a child. Um, so in moving, I didn't have like a lot of friends that were our core friendship, but also I was always a large human. Um, not knowing why my, my mother was pretty slim. My father's pretty slim. My brother's pretty slim. Um, but I was not pretty slim, but I was also a figure skater. And so I was performing my entire life. Um, moved to England, eventually moved back to the States my junior year of high school to then be diagnosed with Hashimoto's. Pretty, and of course, once I was diagnosed, I'm like, this all makes sense of why I'm such a large human mm. when the rest of my family is not. Um, for our listeners who are who are not aware of what Hashimoto's is, it is an autoimmune condition um, where antibodies attack my thyroid. Um, your thyroid is located in your neck, and it is responsible for hormonal um, release that um, that dictates a lot of mental, uh, but also your digestion and um, just general hormonal release, mm -hmm. you know, hormones control everything. Mm -hmm. um, and it gives you hyper or hypo symptoms. I have hypo, meaning my metabolism is very slow. Um, and I fatigue really quick. And, um, and it's really hard for me to lose weight and whatnot. And so being a performer in this world of as as a larger, I always say larger human because I don't like the word fat. I think it's a terrible word. It is. And even when I was at my skinniest, I was still a larger human. Um, and I will say that being the larger human and being the new kid growing up mm. gave me very tough skin. Um, and I, I was bullied when I was in sixth grade. I remember a kid who was five feet tall, <laughs> or I guess in sixth grade, he was shorter than I was. He was very tiny. Um, but he goes, what's the biggest planet? And I'm like, Jupiter. And he goes, no, it's Uranus. <gasps> oh no! And just, I mean, mm. honestly, looking back, it's a pretty funny joke. But as a, <sighs> as a larger sixth grader, it mm. was not. Um, and it, it was difficult. It was difficult, especially moving to all these new places and trying new things. But ultimately with this Hashimoto's, um, and being diagnosed, uh, over 10 years ago now, I have been able to kind of be a sounding board for people who are recently getting diagnosed because mm -hmm. I mean, I'm 28 now, but a lot of my friends are, uh, entering their forties. 
which is generally when the disease does show up. Um, and I've been so grateful to be that supportive, a supportive person who has experienced it for so long, but also having so much knowledge of how to overcome certain, um, certain aspects of the disease, certain symptoms, because um, just like your Crohn's there, though there's not necessarily a quote unquote cure, according to my doctor, I am certain that I was able to somehow put this disease into remission for a time for, for like three years, Mm -hmm. I had a remission, unfortunately, an event took me out of it. That was, that led me to becoming back to a larger human. But right before that event, I had lost 60 pounds, having uh, changed my diet, changed my outlook on life and changed and started taking risks, taking, um, doing aerial classes, doing different kinds of exercises and expanding my, um, my skill sets. So this is a very all over the place. It's not a very linear mm-hmm. story that I'm giving you That's right a, now. But... but can I just yes. ask you a question? Um, without mentioning the event, what what was the emotionality of the event, which you said kind of gave you a episode? An episode. Right. So um, or what affected you? To y- make- yeah, I'll explain. Um, so with this event, it gave me an injury that led to treatment that where the doctor did not listen to the fact that I had an autoimmune disease, ultimately was given a steroid shot. Steroid shot gave me a flare up mm-hmm. and it led me when I was sitting at 175 pounds, which was, that was my, that was my skinniest, but I was also just solid muscle from Ariel mm-hmm. led me to gain back all of that weight. And then some, um, because I had a, a sudden flare-up where I felt like I was rotting from the inside. Wow. Um, and with Hashimoto's, up and, like I was fortunate because I had done all this research. I knew a way to counteract the flare-up, uh, in, in particular cutting coffee. Um, cutting coffee out of, out of my diet did change my life, but of course I love coffee. So as Susan has we just went learned, to, went to a, a cafe today for to coffee. Cafe, I'm not cafe. Name the name. It's a bar stucks, <laughs> but, um, but I, I, I enjoy coffee. It's one of the, one or one, one of the many things that the world has given us. However, totally. that being said, I understand how it affects my body and knowing that I, whenever I do decide to drink it, I can drink it with the knowledge that, okay, if I do feel these things, those are from Mm, coffee. Um, but yeah, the, the, the incident, the circumstance event (laughs) that happened changed my career. It changed my, all the forward momentum I had, going towards, um, I was, I'm a performer and I'm a very active performer. I I was dancing flexible, but then suddenly this event, this injury, and then the sudden gain of like weight gain took away my looks, my type, um, with that I was Mm -hmm. typing into with my looks. It affected my voice. It affected my, obviously my, uh, my movement, my ability to move and it affected, um, the risks that I was, I could take. Um, all that aerial that I had spent three years working up to gone, absolutely mm. gone. And all that momentum towards performing and professionally and 
having consistent gigs gone. Um, now we're going to turn this around. <laughs> yeah. What came out of that? And may I ask, yes, you know, did you feel absolutely in hell and hopeless or did you feel like, okay, I'm back here, but now, now what? Mm. Yes. Hopeless is a, is the word for it. And it wasn't a short term hopeless feeling. It was certainly, it was certainly, a, it was a deep valley. <laughs> it was a deep and long valley that I had to walk through a very wide one, like mm. deep, long and wide. <laughs> it was like, so even when I turned, like, I, I'm going to go with this analogy. If you, if mm. you let me fell down to rock bottom, wandered around rock bottom. So we talk about why you can go up the other side. Mm. I would start to climb up the other side, fall, and then have to walk to the, like it's wide. It's going to take some time to get across when really I just need to be moving forward mm. in the movement forward. It's only as of recently that I have started feeling back to that myself that I was in uh, 2018 before the event where I um, am finding the energy again to, to work on, um, to, to even like work out, but to give a damn about, sorry, can I swear? <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Like, but just kind of like give a damn about what, what I'm going to do and, and believing that what I'm, what I need to do will happen versus, oh, I need to do this to get to this point, but nothing's worked so far and everything mm. sucks. Mm. And that, I mean, it took me three years to get mm. out of that. Mm. Um, it took a second event to really get out of it. So, mm -hmm. um, and that, so long story short or short story long, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I find I've, because of these events, because of these, I'm not going to say traumas cause I feel like that's a little dramatic for me, but, um, traumatizing. throughout these difficulties and situations, I recently said to my mother, I'm like, I feel fortunate because I am so comfortable with myself and who I am and my personality that I feel like at 28, I have fully grown into, or not fully grown, but have gotten very far mm. in who I am as a person and knowing and adjusting and adapting to my surroundings, though sometimes I am sad about it. Mm -hmm. um, mourning my career was really, I went through the stages of grief. Um, mm. And every time an event happens, I go through stages of grief and then come out the other end. And um, I love those quotes that are like, it's okay to cry about something that happened in the past, even if you've gone past it. Um, you're allowed to cry sometimes. And and I do, and I do, mm -hmm. but it doesn't stop me from running forward. I mean, the event ultimately, and with COVID, I, was, we, I started a podcast and I love doing that. And mm -hmm. I started doing more production and more film. Mm -hmm. I love film. Mm -hmm. So it really did lead me into a new gateway a new a new path and i were I, I will say speaking of the future i do sometimes worry that it will have to branch off again but mm. while i'm still on this path i'm enjoying it and knowing with all my experience i've experienced a lot for a 28 year old moving so much having mm -hmm. to meet new people that's i think ultimately that's why i am so comfortable with myself and don't give a damn about what people have to say to me. So <laughs> I am yeah, like, so I am fortunate enough to yeah. feel, feel that as a 28 year old where I do, I speak to people my age and they are lost. And I'm like, Oh, I was lost. I am lost, but I'm finding a way very actively. Absolutely. 
So yay. <laughs> well, and you know, it's like, um, I love that you say it's difficulties because um, I came to look at my disease of Crohn's disease as a blessing, as mm -hmm. a, an amazing master for me. Without Crohn's disease, without, without going through uh, the difficulties that I went through in 18 years, almost dying five times of internal bleeding mm -hmm. and coming out and each time getting better and each time learning, it's just become the teacher mm -hmm. for me. And even, you know, now, yeah. now that I'm Crohn's disease free for 29 years, I still, this is my mind, my belly, yeah. it's <laughs> not my head. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and I listen to it and it, it tells you, oh, you know, I say I'm Italian. I hold grudges. That's in my DNA. Mm -hmm. And uh, anytime I move in that direction, my colon goes, oh, well, you're going to go backwards. Well, I'll give you a little pain. <laughs> we'll get stopped up yeah, somewhere. We'll get stopped up. We'll give you <laughs> diarrhea. We'll give you, you know, irregularity, whatever it is. And I have to pay attention. I mm -hmm. mean, um, I'm not sure if I said this the last time, but I'm going for my colonoscopy on August 2nd, because something's going on in there. And I know it's not Crohn's disease symptoms, because I know those very, very well. Yes. <laughs> um, but I had to, because I haven't had one in four years, mm -hmm. I had to find a gastroenterologist because mine retired. And, well. uh, you know, I saw in meeting him such a difference in the way that I uh, look at medical care and how I am the boss. I'm mm -hmm. in the driver's seat. And, you know, just a short story is that um, when I met, when I met, made the uh, appointment, it was 8 a.m. I, in LA back from COVID was, you know, the, the traffic a is wild time. terrible, <laughs> worse than it's ever been. And uh, so I was about, I think, eight minutes late. And I walked in and the receptionist said, oh, you're late. And I was like, mm, yeah, eight minutes late. Um, let me check to see if the doctor will see you. And I was like, all right. I knew already because I've been through it. I was like, okay, you know, it's all right. And so they came out, oh, he'll see you, but it'll, it's going to have to be a, a short visit. I was like, fine, whatever. And so I go in. I'm not swayed at all. I'm like, feathers are not ruffled. They take my, my, uh, vitals and everything. And he walks in somber looking and he says, Oh, you're going to have to come back. Ugh. I need to have an hour with you. I looked at your history and I am a specialist at Crohn's disease and I need to talk to you and examine you and find, you know, for an hour. And I said, well, let me just tell you, I didn't say to him, well, no, this is how it's going to go, doctor. Uh, but I pretty much said, um, let me tell you why I'm here, why I uh, got referred to you. Uh, I need a colonoscopy. Something's going on in there. I know it's not Crohn's symptoms. It's something. It's a spasm. It's been happening. Uh, my stomach is distended. It feels like I'm, I look like I'm pregnant. Um, and I'm having irregularity from stopping up to diarrhea. So I need, there's something going on. It's on my left side, not my right side, which is where my scar tissue is. Um, I haven't taken medication since 2002. I consider myself Crohn's disease free for 29 years now. 
And I just want to go in there and see what's happening so we can take care of it. And I said, and by the way, I don't uh, go under all the way. I uh, like light sedation so that I can see what I'm doing and, and what's going on in there. And I can discuss it with you and take pictures because I'm a Nichiren Buddhist. I chant every day and I want to be able to visualize what's going on in my colon. That's why I'm well today. And he didn't drop his jaw open, but sort of did. And uh, <laughs> so he examined me and he said, okay. And I was out of there in 30 minutes. Yeah. Um, and so then I, uh, when I scheduled the colonoscopy, um, the woman said, oh, you're, you're getting a Mac an anesthesia. And I said, no, no. I said, I discussed with him. I have, you know, light anesthesia. Oh, well, it has to be August 2nd or September 9th. Well, here I am in Las Vegas. I didn't want to have it right after I come home, but I thought, that's it. I'm doing it August 2nd as soon as I possibly can. And so part of that thing of, you know, looking at it as an obstacle, looking at it as a difficulty, I think is so important because then we can surmount that. If mm -hmm. we look at it as something that's happening to me, that something is being perpetrated upon me, I have no control over it. Um, it's, you know, it's something I have, you know, no power over that's when we get devastated and mm -hmm. feel like we, we don't have any power to change. Akemi, <laughs> you have such a great story. Yeah. yeah. Just tell us. I know, uh, so, I know a lot of your story, but I want you to share. You can share. just some time to ask the question, but yeah, but that... tell me everything. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the first moment that I start like a overcome or struggle, str struggling is when I was uh, 14 years old, uh, middle school. Mm -hmm. And uh, at the moment I was bu bullied by kids, like, uh, you know, like you're, you're, you're big or you're not skinny or just like something like that. And then, and uh, I started thinking like, I don't want to go to school anymore. And they stopped going to school at the age of 14. And then, but the, I, uh, at, from the moment, like, I feel like uh, I have something like a uh, different, like a uh, struggling mm -hmm. uh, compared to other people, because when I communicate with somebody else, like I feel very un anxiety, mm -hmm. I feel very anxiety. And also sometimes like I feel very like a manic mood oh yeah or sometimes like a depression, but I didn't realize that I didn't notice any at all. But uh, after, what should I go Like, uh, you didn't want to go to school anymore. Yeah, I didn't yeah. want to go to school anymore. But the, in Japan, like uh, at the moment, like uh, 14 years ago, like a uh, go the kids who don't go to the school is very weird. Yeah, very weird <laughs> yeah. thing. Like uh, probably one kid in a in a class. So, mm -hmm. which is why my parents don't understand at all. Like a. Uh, because I am youngest of the four siblings, uh -huh. but the, my parents just don't know how to deal with it. Mm -hmm. So just they just say like, uh, okay, go to school. I can give you iPods. I can give you like uh, something, what do you want? So you should go to the school. But I was like, I just don't want to go to the school because the Adams here is very strict, mm -hmm. like, uh, as you may know, like a Japanese school is very strict. Like, uh, you know, you cannot make up. You, you should wear, wear the uh, uniform, mm -hmm. like even you're in the public school. 
And so very standardized. Yeah, that's why that is my big dot. Mm -hmm. Like uh, in my life, like I stopped going to school. But that that was really good opportunity to like a self reflection Mm -hmm. for me. And then so at the moment, but the after like uh, two years later, uh, no, uh, probably one year, I was stuck in the uh, house. I mean, like I didn't go outside mm-hmm. and I gained a lot and I just feel like I need something to drag me out, mm-hmm. drag me something. And then I ended up with watching <laughs> the movie and uh, like uh, it's very typical movie like for kids but that i watched the high school musical when i was 14 years old that's everybody's like it's a boom <laughs> and then but the i just when i watched the movie i was like oh this is what i want not this meaning of the i wanted to go to the school like that just meaning of like uh, i just wanted to be happy with like them and then i just I do remember right when I see the movie, when I watch the movie, and then I decided to, I wanna do something different thing in my way. And that I just wanted to thank you to the director of the High School Musical. Who and is? I, Kenny Ortega. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then after that, I just started studying English because I think it's I just wanted to communicate with them like Americans of course mm-hmm. <laughs> and then just so anyways I just uh started going back to school from the high school and then but uh the, but even after going to high school I have something like a different issue and then that was turned and then and then and I started going to uh, mental health clinic and then but the, after even I go to the mental health clinic they psychologists say like, you're just sensitive mm-hmm. like uh, even you have a manic mood like uh, they didn't know that they didn't realize that because like uh, actually I'm a bipolar disorder but uh, it's really hard to di- diagnose 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 uh, bipolar disorder because it it takes ten years approximately yeah mainly and then so so my journey to find out that I'm bipolar disorder it takes probably ten years because so I've been saying uh, you are sensitive mm-hmm. for ten years and I just like uh, even I took the medicine didn't go well like even I go to this like a uh, travel, even travel. Uh, if I travel outside of Japan, I didn't go well. Mm-hmm. And then, what would happen when you would travel? You would uh, actually have when I was uh, for, uh, 22, I got the offer from Switzerland, like uh, that Japanese teacher job, and I was so psyched about it. And I went to the uh, Swiss. Mm-hmm. And then, like that was a big painter, com- painter family, and then, but the, I couldn't, like, uh, function. Function, and then, mm-hmm. even so, that was the biggest moment for me because, like, even I get the really good job, I cannot overcome. I cannot like do that what I want. So sometimes people feel 
very struggling thing uh, when they cannot do what they want, like a, with the like a, with the challenges, like a, you know. <laughs> and so, anyways, uh, when I was twenty three, twenty four, I changed the clinic. I changed the hospital. A second opinion, and then he said he is very old. A uh, doctor, he has experience for like 30, 40 years. And then he's, he diagnosed that I'm bipolar disorder. Uh-huh. And as Tom's like, oh, finally, I, I'm a, like, I'm not, you know. Did you feel relief? Relief, no. true. Relief, true. And then I feel like uh, I I have a prob- pro- issue, but the, I'm not just a sensitive. <laughs> That's very relieved for me. <laughs> mm. So that is a second dot for me. Like I have what I want, but I have a problem. So I have to be stable because bipolar disorder, they have a manic mood and a depression mood. And then when I have a depression mood, yeah, it's very hard to wake up or stand up. Like, you know what I mean? Like uh, I can sleep I can lay down on the bed like uh, for two days or three days, and then sometimes like suddenly I gonna be, I became, I become manic mood. Like I spend money a lot. Yeah, like I can like I I bought a whiteboard, whiteboard, and I write down like everything what I want. Mm-hmm. And then my mom say like, what's going on? <laughs> and then but uh, can you explain? When does it switch, or is there a certain? Thing uh, I'm that a rapid, I'm a rapid. Okay. Mood. Like I, some people, they have a long term or like a short term because they can understand, they can like uh, get the rhythm. But the, my mood is very rapid cycle, so I cannot expect anything. I cannot like uh, you know. So that's why I quit the job many times. Hmm. Even like when I get the job. I am manic mood. Like I can do anything. I can do whatever like you want. But uh, suddenly I became de- ended up with that being depression. So, but uh, after three, I'm a twenty eight, like you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and <laughs> but uh, should I talk about that treatment? Like uh, no. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> do. We just found out about. I just found out about yeah. it this weekend. I mean, she mentioned it to me, but. We, we saw a documentary um, by Jerry Shearer uh, that's called The Quiet Explosion, I believe it's called. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's about a traumatic brain injury. And so uh, Kemi, it was clearer to me what she was talking about before. So yeah, tell me, so tell us. After I watched the movie, I I ran the two things. I, uh, one is that uh, in the States, we can talk about, about mental illness. Like a, they think it's brain injuries, not just like a mental. You know what I mean? And the second thing, like I uh, watched the the documentary about like a patient uh, who took the TMS treatment. So I, so TMS treatment. Uh, so sorry, <laughs> the last year, last August, I took TMS treatment just for an experiment because it works for a bipolar disorder or uh, some depression. It's just like a not a med, um, medical 
like a medicine treatment, just like a brain. Can like, you explain what it yeah. stands for? TMS. TMS treatment. It stands for <laughs> magnetic. Yeah, you can Google it. <laughs> magnetic <laughs> stimulation. Stimulation. Yeah. So, and I know, you know, my ex-husband does EMDR, which oh, is yeah, a I know that. similar to that, but yeah. not. Um, it's a magnetic. Ma so magnetic. You no put side nodes. Effects. You put nodes on. Yeah. Your head, right? Yeah, and then, <laughs> and then, so like a. After the pandemic, like my disorder, like my illness very became like a bad, like a more, you know, worse than mm. before, because I being working as a travel coordinator. So tourism, tourism has, you know, died, died. It's dead. <laughs> and basically. Then, basically. So I didn't have a choice to work and I just need to make a like a another job but I just have I have like you know unstable mood so I cannot make a I cannot get the like a stable job like a full-time job so which is why I became very so much depression last year 2020 exactly mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah but the mm -hmm. My brother, he recommended me the TMS treatment. He just like a Google it, like a, because I've been so struggling about my illness. And then he recommended me like a, you should try because some like a PTSD people uh, who went to war, I mean the armies mm -hmm. in the States, they try and it works. Mm -hmm. And then, so I was kind of like, scary at the moment because mm -hmm. kind of like a, you know yeah like a, you know <laughs> i never tried yeah so but the, i was like a, you know like a, i didn't have any choice other than doing it well, and you also had nothing to lose right yeah nothing and you trust worse. your brother yes and then my brother say you should try because you're if you die or try mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's why I tried treatment treatment. And then doctor said it works 40 or 50% who has a, that bipolar disorder or deep depression. And I tried it. And the last summer, in the middle of the humid summer in Japan, I went to the uh, clinic, I mean, like a hospital many times. And then it worked for me. Like a I Can you describe how it worked? Yeah. Yeah. I just, I was able to not get angry a lot. Mm -hmm. Like uh, during, like uh, when I have a illness, I've been struggling with uh, getting angry with my parents, getting angry with my myself. It's not just like a human being angry, just more like a, I cannot, rage, yeah, said, rage. Yeah. And I cannot stand up when I get angry, like, you know, mm. <laughs> and then, but the after treatment, I was able to just, if I bump into the bad thing, bad situation, like I can, okay, hmm, it's a bad thing, but it's not just like I make my feel bad, you know, <laughs> like uh, it doesn't mean I am a bad person. So, mm. and after and also I was able to sleep well and then I can organize like many things when I'm 
like uh, my head was very messy, <laughs> mm. but uh, I was able to organize everything. And then now I, I'm still trying to be stable, like a uh, not to like a uh, bipolar disorder is not recover thing, mm. recover disorder. Just like being stable is mm. the most like uh, biggest achievement. Mm. So I'm trying to be stable, and then but the, now it's like uh, 2020 was the worst year that I had <laughs> for everyone. But the, for yeah. me, it's kind of like a improvement year. I was able to realize yeah. like how to control myself, and then and then so decided to like. Uh, come to United States because I've been that's what I've been looking for and then tourism is that the audience for Olympics then I can go to the United States so and then now I'm here with the beautiful lovely people and then so it's, I'm so glad that I, and I mm. think it's the 2021 is the another beginning of my year like my after 14 years uh yeah, suffering it's suffering and then now i think i can say recover or mm. I, like a overcome <sighs> and then yeah yes. <laughs> so so for what next yes. <laughs> what next and uh, i'm very yeah and uh so i'm really staying in the states for three months and then i it's kind of like a journey like uh, i've been I'm going to visit my clients. I got my family, uh, my friends uh, that I met through my job. Like, uh, so I just gonna be a SpongeBob for everything. <laughs> 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 and then I'm probably, I will figure out what I want to do next. So that's my story. Wow. It's all possibility. And that's the thing. It's kind of like, I feel well in, um, in my, Buddhist practice, uh, our teacher says that illness gives way to seek the way. So it's like the possibility, we look at illness sometimes as terrible, you know, this thing, why did I get yeah. this thing? I mean, for me, I prayed daily from a begging standpoint for so many years. Why somebody just take this? Why do I have to bleed from my ass? You know, what did I do? You know, please somebody take it away. And when I realized, no, I got this effing disease. I'm in the driver's seat. It, it was, it's not an accident. This is, you know, uh, the law of cause and effect. I have this. So the better question is now what, you know, now what? Now what? And that to me, you know, the last time I almost died when it was closing, I call it the that's all folks, uh, you know, moment, dark, dark, dark. And what came from my life was I heard everyone that loves me, everyone that I love in my mind's eye shouting, you can't die. Your life is for the sake of serving others. You can't die. Your life is for the sake of serving others over and over. And it opened. And of course, you know, they were still running around because I was, you know, there was blood all over the place. I was hemorrhaging, but I knew it was over. And they had this testing they did, you know, uh, put blue dye in my veins to try to find out where the blood, mm -hmm. where I had bled. But in my life, I felt that's done. It's done. 
it's over. I had the realization that I needed. And the next day, my doctor came in and said, we couldn't find the cause of bleeding. So if you eat and you pass your food, you can go home. And that was the last time I ever hemorrhaged, you know, almost hemorrhaged to death from Crohn's disease. Now, you know, it's like people say, well, are you, is your life for the sake of serving others? It is, it is, but it's not like Mother Teresa or it's not a charity thing. It's not like, where can I go to be able to, you know, be of service? Although I do do that in my, my Buddhist practice, but it's really a mentality of everything I do whether someone's watching or not affects the world. And it's not an egotistical thing. It's not like, Hey, I'm important, but I am important. And I feel every other individual, every human being is important. And if we all believed this, we would have world peace because, you know, if I'm going to shoot you, I'm shooting myself really. And, uh, I think that, you know, this whole thing of possibility, you know, Akemi's having all these possibility and Emily has all this possibility. And, you know, we, if we gather together like this and have dialogue about it and share, that's why I love podcasts. That's why I'm so happy I have one now is, you know, share our, our stories that are so amazing because we all have them and we're all experiencing birth we're all experiencing aging. We're all experiencing sickness. We all experience death. All of us, no matter what our background is, who we came from, our sexual preference, our religion, we all are going to experience and have experienced this, right? So how do we transcend that? How do we make that, you know, the platform on which we, you know, have the happiest life, you know, and surf the tumultuous waves of life. Surfers look for the biggest waves, don't they? Right. So it's kind of like if, you, if it becomes a privilege, like I have, you know, the only reason I feel I can have a podcast like this is because basically I've been through, if you ask me, have you ever had a death in the family? Mm -hmm. Anybody murdered in your family? Mm -hmm. Anybody you die of, you know, Parkinson's? Mm -hmm. Anybody, you know, it's just, I have a whole list of the years that I've been living that I've overcome these things. And so that is my life is this for the sake of serving others. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I was kind of wanting to, we have about, oh, we, we have 20 minutes left. Wow. We have some, I know. anything else you thought of while we were actually there is, um, but it is about you. And I want to ask your permission in the world of overcoming bad circumstances and knowing that you're still in control. I would love to talk about what happened last night. Aha. Uh -huh. <laughs> like, do you, do I have yes. your permission to go yes, ahead and talk about that? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, just because it's still sitting so fresh in our head and actually literally on your head. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we are in Las Vegas um, for this film festival. And what is Vegas without an ER trip? That is, that is the title of this story. Right. <laughs> um, last night we're staying at, um, Susan's friend's house in Vegas, which is so, they're so kind to open up their house uh, to us. And I am staying in the downstairs living room, um, on their pull-out couch. And so there's a full bathroom downstairs. Also downstairs is, uh, 
tile, carpet, and the kitchen and dining room are elevated by two steps. Here's the story. I was in the shower, having already said bye or good night to Susan. Um, hugs. It was, hugs. See you tomorrow. Yeah, I'm, this was great tonight, and sushi was amazing. Um, and I get in, and I get out of the shower. I'm getting ready to get ready for bed, and I hear a knock on the door, and I go, "Who is it?" And she goes, "It's Susan. I've fallen." And I go, "Are you okay?" No. <laughs> Let me tell you what what went through my mind. What I was expecting to see outside was Susan on the ground, having crawled to the door, knocked on it. But when I walked out, she was upright with her hand on her head, say, and Kemi in the carpeted area, pretty much uh, scrubbing the carpet as if somebody had just been murdered. <laughs> <laughs> Upon seeing Susan's head, I'm shocked that it that was not the case for you. Like, I'm just like the, so Susan has, I'm a, I was not there to witness this. Obviously you experienced it, mm -hmm. but uh, she fell from one of the staircase, like one of the two steps on the tile to the carpet with all your snacks that we found when we were cleaning and <laughs> oh, hit her head on a chair. If you, if you've ever had a head injury, you know, head injuries and face injuries, they bleed a lot. Um, and the skin is very thin, very close to your bone. So especially among hair, we're looking to see mm -hmm. what is wrong and what looked like the cut, like what all this blood was coming from. It looked like a little tiny cut on Susan's head, but it was producing so much blood. Upon looking further, we realize it's about five inches long. <laughs> it's it's pretty long. And Akemi and I, it's at this point midnight. Yeah. And Akemi and I, we have Susan has her car, thank God. Mm. Um, because you drove here, and Akemi yeah. and I are looking at each other like, do we go to the ER? And you were the one who said yes. Yes. And now, I'm not easily a person who goes to the yes. ER in uh, hospitals. So I look up my Google where's the closest ER? And it's telling me it's 25 minutes away. We load into the car. Um, we drive there in the middle of the night. Um, I have PTSD um, from driving on interstates, but I, in a circumstance like this, we're gonna make it happen, get to the ER. We were there for an hour. There was no line, it was incredible. And while we were there, we were recounting the experience and realizing that this really sucky situation of Las Vegas hitting your head and it bleeding and having to go to the ER happened in such a fortunate way. So it was an unfortunate situation that happened in a very, very fortunate way. Mm -hmm. And because what we recounted as we were waiting for um, the scans to come back was there's two ways to fall in this house on those stairs. One is completely tile and one is tile and carpet. Susan fell on the carpeted side. Yay, not tile. Tile would have resulted in a lot more damage. Um, it's on the back of your head, but you were conscious. Having completely stayed conscious and being able to be an advocate for herself when Akemi and I, 20 years old, had no idea what to do. <laughs> so she was able to more or less coach, like, I need to go to the ER and be like, you're right, you do, let's go. Um, and then to realize we went to... Uh, one that was very far away to only realize that there was one about six minutes away from where we were staying. But when we got to the ER, I had called them 
to say we were on our way. They took Susan straight back. And while I was back in the room, they said, oh, we're glad that you came here because if you had gone to the one that was closer, you would still be waiting. Meanwhile, your Susan waiting. is gushing mm -hmm. blood. They come back with a CAT scan and the x-ray that had happened so quickly. There was no wait. Um, and they said, everything's negative. No bleeding um, internally, no brain, just clean, no clean cut. Skull fracture. No, nothing. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. No fracture, no bleeding in the brain, no concussion. And then they clean the wound and <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say it. Um, I've known Susan in person now for about 48 hours, but we've known each other on Zoom for about a year. I never thought I would see this woman's skull, but last night was the night that I did. <laughs> it The cut was all the way through, all the way through. Mm -hmm. But how fortunate was it that it took one stitch to stitch up the, the muscle within, within, and then how many, six staples? Six staples. Six staples. And they were like, you're good to go. You can just go home now. Just ice it. And is that a bad doctor? Absolutely not. It's somehow yeah. this unfortunate circumstance came out with very fortunate, out it came out with a, a fortunate outcome. It made it this journey, this story that now we can laugh about. Yeah. And you, I mean, if you're watching a video, it doesn't look like Susan has six staples in her head. No. But she does, it's in right fact, back here does. behind my uh, my earphone. Mm -hmm. And only having to sit there now for ten days, and you are completely conscious and have a great story to tell. And then we went to and got cleaner in the the red wine that looked like blood. Folex cleaner. Folex in case cleaner. you want to be my sponsor in the future, Folex cleaner. <laughs> Everybody should have some. Takes out blood. Takes out wine like a miracle these girls were like what is happening we just thought that she had a head injury when she told us that oh i have the perfect thing we're like okay susan you hit your head okay okay and then she didn't we we're like she was cinderella on the ground and i'm just like we're me and all it was it was a kemi me and then the roommate of the people who were whose yeah. house we're staying in yeah. i'm gonna call him uncle dude because i think it's so right. funny <laughs> but we're all just watching her clean the carpet and it hit me. I'm like, maybe we should help her. She's the one with the, with the brain <laughs> head <trauma>. injury. <laughs> but how fortunate also in this circumstance that we learned about, um, uh, what is it? TMS. And we learned about hyperbaric chambers and we, we learned about some doctors in the LA area who deal with head, head injuries. Literally yesterday. Yes. We learned about these people. Yes. That now you're in the LA can, area, you can go and contact them. I can contact them for anything in the future. And this is the thing it's called. I'm always saying, hey, girls, I'm in rhythm. You know, there is a rhythm in the universe. Right. And you're and you probably all as you're out there, you probably all know you can tell some people are in rhythm and some people are out of rhythm. Right. And in my case, the chanting of Nam Myoho Kyo for 49 years now has put my life in rhythm with this macrocosm. I'm the microcosm, right? Mm -hmm. And so every day when I pray, morning and evening, I pray by looking inside of myself to have the greatest day, to be in rhythm, to make the best out of my day. And then when I go back at night, I pray appreciation and gratitude. And this is 49 years consistently that I've done this. And this is the effect I see in my life is that, you know, we these two became what we call in Buddhism, Shoten Zen Jin, which is 
the universal protectors, which we all are able to see. Sometimes you think, wow, I didn't get on that plane. It crashed. I, I didn't walk out that door. Somehow, if I had timed it to be so-and-so, that would have been disaster. Somehow I dodged that bullet, if you want to call it. And, you know, when I was on the way to the hospital, I was chanting vigorously, nam myoho renge kyo, nam myoho renge kyo. And my mind, I was like, this is going to be complete rhythm. I'm going to have the best doctor. I'm going to have the best treatment. I'm going to encourage both these girls. <laughs> you know, <laughs> They're encouraging me because they're, uh, you know, uh, Emily thought of me getting a CD of the scans to come oh. back. Um, what else did you think of? Something else that you mentioned that I was like, oh, I never thought about that. Um, Akemi got me the ice to begin with. Mm -hmm. I know about ice, but I didn't say to her, give me some ice. I was just, I know about pressure. I've had a lot of wounds in my life. So I put pressure and they were like, how is your head already coagulating when I got yeah. to the ER? Because I know you put pressure and you put mm -hmm. ice yeah. and, you know, I know bodies. I know what to do. Right. Mm -hmm. Did you have anything to add about last night or? Ah, I yeah. took the picture with you. <laughs> There's a really cute picture. Yeah, and no, we're gonna print it and frame it. <laughs> right. I mean, it's just like it. It became, you know, another little blip in my life. Right. And I'm gonna drive home tomorrow. You know, I feel absolutely confident that mm -hmm. I can do that. I have so much that I'm doing in the next week. I have new headshots that I'm taking. I have, you know so many plans and nothing's gonna come in my fucking way <laughs> right yes and so that's how the attitude i feel you know to that we need to have as human beings is to take our power and use it for and you know and also now i'm sharing this which is for the sake of others so mm -hmm. i suffered for the sake of others and now you all can hear this experience of you know and of course it's not just, um, how should I say it? Just hopeful, wishful thinking. Mm -hmm. you know, it's really an intention, a determination to have your life be mm -hmm. a certain way and how yeah. you want to react to things and, and make the causes that you need to make to protect others, to protect yourself, to have the best outcome and circumstances, mm -hmm. right? Thank you for right. bringing that up. I, I, I totally my... forgot about that. I thought, oh, we need do need to talk about this yeah. because it just happened last night. Well, it happened last night, and it was so. I mean, this is all what I say earlier was serendipitous. It it just it makes sense, and uh, it was a, it was it's the correct linear moment right now. Like everything that Akemi said, everything that you said, it. That's I was I'm so inspired and encouraged by everything that happened last night too. <laughs> just because like the performance under pressure, there was so much that we learned about each mm. other, and um, I have this fun story about y'all, and no one else does. <laughs> I know, right? An unforgettable yes, Las Vegas, yes, you know, and and actually, Vegas. this what happens in Vegas, we can tell everybody. Doesn't yeah. have to this stay in Vegas. Stay. We're not on the <laughs> strip, so it, it, this where yeah, way, we're out in Henderson, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, anything else before we, uh, so when I, so like, uh, like I said before, like, uh, I was obsessed with the high school musical and the, the, I was obsessed with, I like, uh, the main low play, 
like uh, Zac Efron, Vanessa <laughs> Hudgens, but I was upset with the director, Kenny Ortega. And then when I was 14 years old, like I was kind of like, uh, I just wanted to talk to him some someday. Like uh, when I was grown up, like when I became an adult, I just wanted to say thank you because mm. arts like uh, influenced people. Mm. So, and then after 14 years later, I just find, I just found uh, Airbnb named Susan DeMonte. And I talked about this story to her. And she say, oh, I know Kenny. I know Kenny, what? <laughs> because you can tell like, I, yes. So yeah, yeah, I know, I know Kenny. And this was a really, this was a really, um, well, as Oprah says, aha moment between Akemi and I, um, because, you know, just, I always, I also think numbers are very mystic too. I mean, having, being at 14, now she's 28. She had that wish back then when she watched high school musical. I, my daughter, Vanessa Shaw is the star of Hocus Pocus, which is now a classic, you know, Halloween movie. Um, and Kenny Ortega directed that movie. So I spent three months with him. I have since I heard Akemi's experience, I, uh, direct messaged him. Um, and I told my daughter Vanessa about it. And she I said, is there any other way? She said, oh, just direct message him. He'll get back to you. And I just said, I have a story to tell you about someone whose life was changed through yeah. your, your movie. And of course we had tears that day yeah. you know, because she was just like, Oh, this, she was so overwhelmed with, you know, this wish that she had this life changing experience that art brought to her, you know, yeah. that, she wanted to, you know, go back to school and have something, make something of her life. And I feel like that, you know, in a crucial moment, the other thing is last night, I was really, uh, I really uh, admonished myself because I didn't turn the light on. I had snacks and I had, you know, uh, I had cheese, I had water, I had, uh, you know, half a glass of wine. I had my purse and it's in the dark. And I'm in a new house and I think it's one step and it's not one step, it's two. But I could, you know, really go down the rabbit hole with that. But I do, I was, you know, they were all like, you don't, you know, it's, it was an accident. But I do have to take responsibility that at a crucial moment, I made an unwise choice. I should have, you know, if I wanted a snack, leave the snack there, go upstairs, take everything up, come back down, you know, and slowly go up the stairs with all of your stuff that you have in your hands, you know, be careful, protect yourself. But on the other hand, just seeing, you know, as Emily was saying, the lessening in Buddhism, it's the lessening of your karmic retribution. So just to briefly explain that, you know, uh, through the law of cause and effect, we create karma or, mm -hmm. you know, things that happen to us, you know, are because of what we do. And it's very freeing to take responsibility to say, okay, next time you're going to make a more wise choice, not to have your hands full when you're in a new house and you're going upstairs, <laughs> take it easy, you know, think clearly. And on the other hand, you have to have something like this happen in order for you to have that realization, right? So it's all value. You can create value with it. And then, you know, um, being with these two, 
these two <laughs> forever girlfriends um, and hearing their stories is so uh, encouraging. Um, and I think we're, we're friends forever, yeah, absolutely. you know, and we're going to have many, many more experiences to share together. Um, I was running down the, we were trying to get out of where the film festival is and I was running down to try it. I said, stay here. Let me see if this door is unlocked. And I was running full speed so they didn't have to go to each door. And Emily said, I think Susan's going to live till 105 or something. You said 150. Yeah. You're going to be the woman who lives to 150. Like. And here's somebody who almost died five times of, you know, internal bleeding. So I know I was supposed to have a short life, but now I'm definitely determined to have a long life. Thank you all for joining us today. Um, and episode three, I don't know who my guests are going to be. It's going to be very exciting to find out who, <laughs> if you have a story, you can contact me at susandemonte.com. Uh, there's a contact page. I'm on Instagram, on Facebook, um, at Susan DeMonte for, for everything. So thanks for joining. Bye-bye. This has been Tell Me Everything with Susan DeMonte. This podcast was produced by me, Susan, of Out Our Way Productions with support from consulting producer Maggie Politi and developed with Ashley Kate Adams of BYOP, Be Your Own Producer. Editing by Graham Bryant. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave a review if you enjoyed our time together today. If you have any stories of overcoming adversity, please use the contact page on my website, susandemonte.com. We would love to hear from you. See you next time.